Well, by now you know that we believe in joy. <laughs> and we believe in joy because we believe in Jesus. And anybody that doesn't have joy has not yet found Jesus. I don't care what day he keeps. I don't care how many Bible studies he gives. If he hasn't found joy, he hasn't found Jesus because in his presence there's fullness of joy. I'm going to ask a special question in favor of the parents, not the faculty, but the parents this evening, first of all. How many of you parents here this evening really are hoping that your young people will get some help this week? Will you stand? All the parents who hope your children will get, your young people get some help. Keep standing. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Now, while you're standing, I'm going to just give you the first hint how to help them. Change your prayer. You know, tonight our subject is on a new kind of prayer. Change your prayer. Where before you'd say, Lord, bless Jim, my son, and help him to behave himself, you'll now say, Lord, help Jim's daddy to behave himself. And then Jim and Mary will say, Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Thank you. <clears throat> new kind of prayer. Shall we pray, dear Lord, make me a nail upon the wall, fastened securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face, and we thank thee in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to notice this evening many facts, several facts, about a new kind of prayer. First of all, this new kind of prayer we call the prayer of reception. There are many kinds of prayer. The kind of prayer that most of us have heard more about than any other kind is the prayer of commitment. The prayer of commitment is the kind of a prayer we pray for sick people. We commit their healing to the Lord because we don't know whether they fulfill the conditions. We also commit the how and the when to the Lord in all prayer, nearly, with the exception of victory and forgiveness of sins and salvation, eternal life, and such like. There's a prayer of surrender when we submit to the Lord. There's a prayer of repentance when we tell the Lord how sorry we are that our sins crucified Christ. There's actually a prayer of praise, if we choose to term it such. Then there's the prayer of reception. The prayer of reception is based on such texts of Scripture as Matthew 21, 22. All things that you ask in prayer believing you shall receive. Mark 11, 24. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. There is a kind of prayer that we have a right instantly to ask and to believe and to thank God we have received. And this is not perhaps the most important kind of prayer, but it is the most neglected of all kinds of prayer. And when any individual picks up this new kind of prayer, not new to the Bible, not new to Jesus, but new to most Christians today, when he picks up this new kind of prayer, it will completely revolutionize not merely his own life and his concept of God, for it will make God a new God to him, 
but it'll also help him to be a tremendous soul winner because you will find that his whole life has changed, his whole outlook has changed, his whole concept of God has changed because now he has found a, a different kind of God than the God that many of us parents have presented to our young people. He'll find that God is not a God that's looking down his nose to see all the reasons why he shouldn't come to our aid. God is not a God that is eager to condemn and scold and belittle us. Not at all. A completely new kind of God. This kind of prayer is based on claiming any one of the promises of the Bible, which one of our older ministers, who read the Old Testament through 69 times and the New Testament 71, found and added them together and found there were 3,573 promises. So we say there are at least 3,573 promises or clusters of promises. Somebody came to me some time ago and said, I found many more as though I was trying to limit the promises. I said, I wish you could find 20,000. And we're not just trying to say there are only that many. We're saying there are all of that many. Nobody has 3,573 problems, you see. So there are all of that many or more. 3,573. So first of all, we'd like to have you know how you can remember the number. It begins with three, it closes with three, and 57 varieties in the middle. 3,573. And the ABCs of claiming these promises from the lips of Jesus himself, A is ask, Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. The B is believe, Mark 11:24. Believe that ye receive and ye shall have. The C is receive or claim. The words are used interchangeably. For when I go to the baggage claim at the airport, when I claim my baggage, I receive my baggage. I go to the claim to receive. So we use ask, believe, and claim. It's easy to remember. Or ask, believe, and receive. Jesus actually thanked God that he received. And he's taught us this all through the Bible. John 11:41. At the grave of Lazarus, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, you have heard me. That isn't the way a lot of people pray today. I find people pray long, backslidden prayers, and then they wonder why their young people don't like prayer. I remember when I was in the academy several many years ago. I went across the, the road to an old people's prayer meeting. I, I went once only. It was my first and last trip. And I'll tell you why. It was because it was a long, backslidden prayer. They didn't know anything about asking and believing and taking hold of the answer. I still remember one of the prayers that was offered. Oh, Lord, he said, you know all about our financial reverses. And I was a boy in my teens, and I said, the man is even trying to go to heaven in reverse. God wants us to go in straight high gear to heaven. He doesn't want us to go into reverse and whine and sigh and cry as though it were a pilgrimage going to heaven. Heaven is a good place to be because God is a good God. So there are three, how many promises, everybody? At least 3,573. And the ABCs, A is what? Ask. Who said so? Jesus. And I believe him, don't you? The B is what, everybody? Believe. Jesus said, and I believe him. How many agree? You believe him. And the C is to what? Receive or claim it. Right on the spot, by the way, for the gift is in the promise. Somebody said, I think I found more promises. I said, wonderful. How many? 4,000 some. I said, good. Would you like to see my manuscript? I said, I'd be delighted. 
And I looked through the manuscript, and I found they had some things listed as promises that I don't exactly categorize as promises. One went something like this, Thou shalt come to thy grave. Now, I don't list that as a promise. I list that as a, as a threat. And we're not preaching threats this week. We're preaching the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ in all the Bible. A God that isn't condemning, he isn't scolding, no matter what you did before you came in. If you had a package of cigarettes in your pocket, young man, God loves you just as much as anybody else. And there's nobody here tonight that's any better than anybody else. He just thinks he is. So there are 3,573 promises fresh from the very mouth of God we can claim. Now, there's four facts I'd like us to notice tonight in learning this new kind of prayer. The first fact revolves around the word eager. God is eager. The second fact revolves around the word truthful. God is truthful. The third word re revolves, the third fact, re fact revolves around the words childlike faith, because that's what God requires. And the fourth expression is visualize the answer or create the answer or see the answer created as you pray. First, eager, truthful, childlike faith, visualize the answer. Number one, is God eager <clears throat> to answer prayer or isn't he? Every Bible doctrine must revolve around Jesus Christ. It can only be understood as it is understood in Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 9:1, I say the truth in Christ. Any doctrine that is outside of Jesus is mere theory and the letter killeth. So what is Christ's attitude? What is the Father's attitude? What is heaven's attitude regarding our prayer and our prayers? Is God reluctant? Do we have to pray to overcome God's reluctance? Or is he eager? Here's the first text on it. Luke 11:13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Jesus said, any parent, no matter how bad he is, he'll want to help his children. He said, our Father in heaven, he's a father. Sometimes I tell young people, think of, think of God as a daddy. Just a few weeks ago, somebody scolded me. They thought that was terrible to think of God as, as a daddy. You know why? They'd all, always thought of him as a big, sanctimonious monster. Young ladies, God is your daddy. Young men... God is like a dad. He's our Heavenly Father. He's more eager to hear you than you are to ask. Many years ago, over in the city of Boston, Massachusetts, in the dead of winter, there was an awful storm, a blizzard. During this blizzard, the daddy and mother had a little 18-month-old girl who was suffering from a fever, and her fever continued just the same duration as a blizzard. During this time, she ate nothing. As a blizzard subsided, coincidentally, her fever subsided. She kind of edged herself out of bed. She was very weak, kind of wobbled over to Mommy, and she said, Mommy, apple, A-P-P-L-E. And Mother happened to know that there wasn't an apple in the house, and the blizzard had left the snow waist deep. Mother turned in the direction of Daddy and gave him a searching look, and the little daughter watched Mother's eyes and followed them over to Daddy, and she thought, maybe Daddy will give me an apple. So she wobbled over to Daddy, placed one hand on one knee and the other on the other knee, 
She looked up into Daddy's face. She said, Daddy, apple? And Daddy knew there wasn't an apple in the house, but she was his daughter. He was her daddy. He put on his heaviest winter clothing. You can't walk through snow waist deep. You can't wade through it. You have to wallow on all fours. But so he did. That man went out huffing and puffing and all exhausted and went on and on. I don't know how far he went. He came back with one apple. That little girl, it was many years before she ever realized how much daddy passed through to give her an apple. Why? He was her daddy. Jesus said, never get the impression that God isn't eager. God is more eager to answer our prayers than we are to ask. Immediately somebody said, but why haven't I gotten some answers then? I remember when our daughter Juanita was just a little tyke, one day I walked in the front room and of all things I saw her in process of putting in her mouth a Gillette safety razor blade. And I knew that she <laughs> sort of imitated her daddy. That, those were the only times I was ashamed of her was when she acted like daddy. And I knew whatever I did, she would do. She hadn't closed her mouth on the razor blade, and so I smiled broadly, and she smiled. And I saw that razor blade lying flat right on her tongue. And I walked very slowly, and I said, Nita, Nita. And I smiled broadly, which I can, and she saw me smile, and she kept right on smiling. I stepped right over to her very slowly, carefully, slipped my thumb and finger in, and slipped the blade right out of her mouth. And when I got it outside, I said, Juanita, it would cut you all up. And she went, You know why her daddy didn't answer her prayer the way she wanted it? Because he was her daddy. She thought she was getting something good to eat. You know, daddy, instead of letting her eat razor blades, gave her something good to eat. If you offered God, offer to God a razor blade prayer, you know what? God is not going to give you razor blade soup. He's going to give you something better. Every time, God always gives you what you ask for or something better. Never go around saying God is a no God. God is not a no God. God is either or. Always what you ask for or something better every time. Trouble is to some time before my little daughter realized that daddy was a good daddy when he slipped the razor blade out of her mouth, you see. So it is with us. God is eager. Here's another text, Romans 8:32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also, what? Freely give us all things. Calvary says that since God gave his son to die for us, any other gift is just a minor thing. God made the great sacrifice in Jesus. It's no sacrifice for God to give us the things that we need. The sacrifice was Calvary. And Calvary says God is eager. What do you say? So God is eager. Number two. Since we are talking about promises, how many Bible promises at least? Everybody. 3,573 at least. What are the ABCs of claiming them? A is what? Ask. And what is the B? Believe. And what is the C? Claim them right on the spot because God is eager. Now, since I'm talking about his promises and you're thinking about his promises, we must settle once and for all the question, is God truthful? I have three favorite texts, many, but three particularly. The first is Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. And that settles it for me. How about it? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Hath he said, shall he not do it? 
Has he, hath he spoken? Shall he not make it good? Again and again and again in our Gethsemane experience, which I share with you Sunday night, I've thrown this wonderful promise back into the lap of God. God, you're not a man that you should lie. You'll never break your word. You'll never change your mind from what you've promised. So I lay hold of that promise. The second comes from the lips of Jesus, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away. And the third text is Hebrews 6, 18. By two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. God cannot lie. I'll repeat them. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away. And Hebrews 6. You might begin with the 13th verse through the 18th. Ending up that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Is God truthful? Yes. Will he always keep his word? Yes. Will he always come to our rescue? Always. There are no exceptions. That's God. An eager God, a truthful God. Some time ago, a lady came to one of our ministers. She said, Pastor, I have a problem. Well, he said, maybe I can help you. What is it? She said, it's forgiveness. And you know, my friends, there are a lot of people that have the problem of forgiveness. He said, well, we have a promise. I'm sure I can help you. What promise would you use for forgiveness? One of the most well-known, 1 John 1, 9. What does it say, everybody? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he said, Here, here's your promise. He said, the condition is if you confess your sins. Have you done it? She said, Pastor, I've confessed my sins for 40 years. I've confessed my sins hundreds of times. Well, he said, let's kneel down then. And we're just going to ask and believe and claim forgiveness and cleansing. So they knelt and he prayed. And he asked and he believed and he claimed and he was forgiven and cleansed, wasn't he? And when he got up from his knees, he was so happy and he smiled in the lady's face and he said, isn't it wonderful, you're now forgiven. And she screwed up her forehead and she said, oh, pastor, that's what I'm afraid to say. He said, uh, you believe the Bible. Oh, I believe every word of it. I've been in the truth, quote, unquote. I've been in the truth for 40 years. You believe every part of the Bible? Every bit. You believe this promise? I certainly do. Well, then you're forgiven, aren't you? She said, Pastor, that's the trouble. I, I, I don't dare to say it. He said, and you've confessed your sins? She said, I've confessed them for 40 years, I'm telling you. Hundreds of times. And I suppose just about then the pastor was claiming a promise for wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. He said, uh, Sister, have you confessed all your sins? Well, yes. She said, so far as I know, I have. He said, may I ask you this? If the Holy Spirit impressed you with one sin that you've not confessed, would you be willing to confess that too? She said, I most certainly would. He said, how about that sin that is brought to view in 1 John 5, 10, the middle of the verse? 
He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. How about confessing that sin for 40 years you've been making God a liar and hear his voice would soften of course for 40 years you've claimed to believe the Bible for 40 years you've confessed your sins but never once in the 40 years have you believed that God would fulfill his promise you know what she believed the millennium She believed the 2300 days. They're beautiful, beautiful doctrines. But you know, as beautiful as the 2300 days is, it's better to believe God today. She believed the seven last plagues and believed she'd be part of them. It's better to believe that God forgives my sins and cleanses me just like he promised. What do you say? For 40 years, she'd made God a liar. Oh, she said, Pastor, let's get down on their knees. I want to confess this sin to God. And they got down on their knees, and with sobs, she asked God to forgive her. For 40 years, she'd confessed and never believed God. She'd made him a what? Now she said, Pastor, now I can... Now I can claim this promise that God will forgive me and cleanse me. And they prayed together, and the woman was so happy. When they rose from their knees, she said, Pastor, can you imagine? I could have had this peace and happiness and joy 40 years ago. Imagine 40 years of sorrow, of ignominy, of guilt, of remorse. I didn't need to have had this at all. That's why we're here this week. I was speaking on this subject down in Orlando, Florida, the camp meeting. A medical doctor was sitting there. You never know who's in your audience. After the meeting was over, he walked over to the book tent, and he turned to a minister standing next to him. He said, Pastor, I've just had the shock of my life. He said, what's that? A doctor had the shock of his life. Who? Who had a wreck? No, I was just there in that meeting. You had the shock of your life in that meeting? Yes. What was it? He said, I just learned a few minutes ago that for 20 years, I, a Seventh-day Adventist and an officer in the Seventh-day Adventist church, have been making God a liar. And the minister turned to him. He said, Doctor, what are you going to do from now on? He said, I know what I'm going to do. From now on, I'm proclaiming to the world that I am a forgiven child of God because I believe God. If you came into this meeting tonight and you had marijuana today and you have cigarettes in your pocket and you have the scent of liquor on your breath, right now you can ask God to forgive you and he'll forgive you right now and he won't say be on probation for three days he'll say right now this instant thank God that he's true God is eager God is truthful number three he requires this of us childlike faith Matthew 18 3 except you be converted and become like what 
little children. You know what a little child's faith is like? Hebrews 11:6. without faith it's impossible to please God. You know what a child's faith is like? I heard of two little girls, just little tykes that were quarreling. You know why the little children quarrel? Parents often come to me and they say, why do my children quarrel? I said, because they're your children. I don't always say it that way, you know. Two little girls, just two little tykes, just quarreling. One says, tis so taint so business. I don't know what it was that was so and wasn't so. But one little girl said, it tis so. And the little girl shrugged her shoulders and she said, it taint so. And the second little girl was upset. She said, it is so too, because mommy said it's so. The second little girl, she didn't know her mommy, you know. She shrugged her shoulders. She looked at her little girlfriend. She said, it still taints so. And the first little girl was really upset. She turned to her little companion. She said, listen here, it is so too. What mommy says is so, even if it taints so. That's childlike faith. When God gives me a promise, it's so, though the devil says it isn't. What do you say? Amen. When God gives me a promise, it's so, though circumstances say it isn't. Though the remorse in my heart says, you're too wicked. I'm not too wicked for God to save. My sins are not too crimson for the blood of Jesus to make white as snow. Because God said that he would do it. And what God says is so, though the devil and all his imps and people say it isn't so. It's still so. How many agree? It is so. You came in with a burden on your heart, you can throw that burden down at the foot of the cross tonight. You came in with sins, and so many of us older people, we scold our children and put them under added condemnation, and our young people, let's never do it. Let's tell them God's forgiven me. And I tell you what, I, I advise older people telling their children, and I put them in shock. Tell your boys and girls, if you've, if you've, if you've done one thing wrong, I've done two. If you're guilty, I'm more guilty. My, that'll make them feel good. But it's true because you're twice as old. That's right. I told my grandchildren one day, I said, Granddaddy's made many more mistakes than you. And they looked into my face and said, Granddaddy, have you? I said, yes, I'm, I'm twice as old. They were about six, six and eight. <laughs> I, surely I've done twice as many. I've done more than twice, and of course I wouldn't tell them I'd done a, made a hundred times as many mistakes because that, that, that would leave them. But it's true just the same. I have made a hundred times as many mistakes as those little children. And now I jump all over the children, I pounce on them, I say, that's devilish. God is eager, God is truthful. He wants us to come to him just like we are and say, Lord, forgive my sins. You promised to do it and I'm not going to make you a liar. And number four. Number four, visualize the answer. Jesus said in Luke 8, 11, the seed is the word of God. In a Gethsemane experience 25 years ago, I want to share it with you Sunday night. The thing that meant so much to me was when I learned from the book Education, it quoted Luke 8, 11. It said the seed is the word of God, which means that every promise in the Bible is a seed. And it went on to show that every apple seed contains an apple tree. Every acorn contains an oak tree. Every promise of God contains a gift. I said, isn't that marvelous? Now I can look at an apple seed and I can say there's an apple tree in it. And Rutherford Platt, a prize winner in science, said that if you had a magnifying glass big enough that you could see in that apple seed a trunk, two leaves, and roots of a tree. That's right. In every promise of God there is the gift. 
So I have a right to say, I hold in my hand an apple seed. I have an apple tree. I hold in my hand a promise for forgiveness. I have forgiveness. Not I can have after so many days of, of, of probation. I have cleansing. Not after so many days of probation. I have cleansing right on the spot right now. That's what God wants. And you know that's what childlike faith does? I still remember speaking my daughter again. I remember one day she came to me, Daddy, may I go to town with you? <laughs> and you know, there are times when we daddies are so busy, we just don't have time, we think. And that was one of the days. And I didn't want to say to her, Juanita, I don't have time for you. You wouldn't tell your child that. So I figured, well, I'll be as smart as she is. I'll say uh, <clears throat> yes and I'll give her some condition to fulfill, for all promises have a condition. So I thought, let's see, what, does she, what would she rather not do? And I'll make it very easy and simple, but I know she won't do it. Yeah, oh yes, surely you may, if you eat your spinach. I knew I was, I was a winner, but I didn't act like I knew it. When we sat down at the table, she didn't eat her spinach, she shoveled it in. <laughs> Just shoveled it in. Then she came to me and she put her hand way up as far as she could reach the lapel of my coat. Talk about visualizing the answer. She said, Daddy, you promised me if I'd eat my spinach, we could go to town. And then she began to smile, Daddy, I've eaten my spinach. And then she said this, and she nodded almost a foot in length. Daddy, now we're going to town, aren't we, Daddy? That's what childlike faith will do. And you know, you know where we went? <laughs> we went to town. And I say it reverently. God doesn't want us to go to town with him. He wants us to go to the heavenly city with him. And he said, I'll take you there, though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I was speaking on this subject at Fortuna, camp meeting a few years ago. There was a lady sitting there. She had a tri triple curvature of the spine with all the aches and pains that went with it. When the meeting was ended, she said, let's see, there are four facts now. I must think of God as eager. I must think of him as truthful. I must bring to his chi uh, promise childlike faith. And I'm going to visualize the answer. The gift is in the promise. Now, we hadn't told them when they claimed promise for healing. We used a prayer of commitment for healing. But evidently, she knew she'd fulfill the conditions. So she opened to, uh, to Jeremiah 33.6. I'm quite sure it was. It's my favorite healing promise, by the way. I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them. Don't you like it? I will cure them. Oh, for 25 years, I've claimed that promise. Twice supposed to have been dying of cancer. Lord, I ask and I believe and I claim healing. Cure, I like the word cure. Inside of 24 hours, her husband came to me. I'd never met them. He said, do you want to hear an experience of answered prayer? I said, yes. Took me through the, the, those giant redwood trees to his wife. He said, honey, tell Elder Kuhn. She said, Elder Kuhn, I lived through those five, those four statements. God is eager. God is truthful. I'll bring to him childlike faith. And I will just visualize the answer. And so I asked, and I believed, and I claimed. She said, Elder Kuhn, my spine straightened out just as straight as a yardstick instantly. She said, I had a teenage daughter. She used to feel down that crooked spine. I said, come, honey, come. Mommy, your spine is just as straight as a reed. That's Jesus. And there are many lives that need straightening out. All the scolding won't do it. All the condemning won't do it, but Jesus will. And I want to say to you, my friends, there's not a soul here 
that's any worse than I am in Jesus Christ. We're all sinners, aren't we? We're all sinners. This holier-than-thou attitude has no place in the Christian life and no place in the church. I'm not going to look down my nose and say, look at you all, you fellows. Look at us all, dear God. We're asking and we're believing forgiveness and cleansing and we're claiming it in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for it? Talk about childlike faith. When my wife and I were missionaries in the northern part of South America, we were holding a tabernacle series, and one day we got a telephone call. A nurse at the House of Refuge asked us to come over, two of us ministers. There was a man there who had once been a Christian as a boy. He grew up as a Christian. Finally wandered out in the world and turned from the Lord. And finally left his wife, left the children destitute. Finally ended up in this house of refuge. We used to call them poor homes. And sick and miserable, broken in body and broken in spirit, there he was. And one day the nurse told us, she said, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. She said, Other ministers have come and tried to help this man and they couldn't. I've heard how God is blessing you. And God did bless us. He gave us 322 souls. And she said, I thought maybe you could help this man. When we were out of the ward one day, he went to the window and plunged down on the concrete pavement below, and he couldn't kill himself. We've had some men do it before. No man has lived. We picked him up, just a mass of broken bones, put him back in bed, expected him to die in a few days, and she said, we can't explain it. But another day when we were all out of the ward, somehow... That man was able to drag himself to the window and cast himself down again, and he still couldn't kill himself. She said, Pastors, God has a mission for that man. Can you help him? When we went to his side, you know what we did? We claimed Bible promises. How many are there? 3,573. And the ABCs are what? Ask and believe and receive it right on the spot. We told him about the promises. It didn't seem to get anywhere. And then I started telling him about the prodigal son. And he stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, don't tell me anymore. There's no hope for me. I'm the prodigal. And the Lord said, take him at his word. Take him at his word. So I asked, I said, what? I'm the prodigal. I said, you're what? I'm the prodigal. And the Lord said, keep asking him till he knows what he's saying. I'm the prodigal. I said, oh, you are the prodigal? Yes. Oh, I said, you're the prodigal. Yes, I am. I said, after the prodigal went as far as he could, what happened? And there was a ray of hope. Why well, said he started back home? I said, you're the prodigal. You're the prodigal. You're starting back home tonight. How did the father treat him? He said he put his arms around him. He welcomed him. Our father in heaven is welcoming you tonight, I said. And he's forgiving every sin. I said, we're going to pray. I said, my associate will pray, then you'll pray, and I'll pray. He said, I don't know how to pray. I haven't prayed since I was a boy. I said, I'll tell you how to pray. You know, I taught him an eloquent prayer. Do you know what the most eloquent prayer I know of? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's eloquent. Oh, God loves it. It's beautiful. I said, tell God how bad you are. Tell him what you want him to do. And then, after you've asked and believed, claim it. And he prayed, and this was his prayer. Beautiful prayer. And he prayed it in a beautiful way. You know, you know a beautiful way to pray? <laughs> All heartbroken. <laughs> Away with this eloquence in prayer. Imagine a man kneeling down at the foot of the cross and giving God an, an elocutionary speech. At the foot of the cross, I tell God my great need of him, and I take hold of the cleansing power of Jesus Christ.
And this was his prayer. Dear God, I'm bad. Please make me good. Dear God, thank you that though I was bad, you've made me good. And he was a new creature in Christ Jesus instantly. God didn't put him on probation two minutes. Say nothing about two hours or two months. When we came back the next time, the nurse's eyes were filled with tears. She said, pastors, we've never seen such a conversion. God is what? Eager. God is what? Truthful. God wants us to bring to him childlike faith and visualize the promise. What's your problem tonight? This message is only for people who feel their need. This is not for the self-righteous Pharisee. He has no need. This is not for people who look down their nose at others and think of others as, as less worthy. This is for each one of us who feels our need. Have you for years wanted forgiveness? And through the aid of men and devils, you've been afraid to ask God for forgiveness and cleansing? How about tonight? Saying, Lord, you're eager, you're truthful. I'm going to bring to, your, to you childlike faith. Him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Not tomorrow, next, not next week, right now. Our Father in heaven, while our heads are bowed in prayer and our eyes are closed, we thank you beyond words, dear Lord, for this quiet, sweet, lovely, wholesome place where we can look up into thy face and call thee our Daddy, our Father. Oh, thank you for the gift of Calvary. Thank you, dear Lord, that you're more eager to answer tonight than we are to ask. Just now tonight, dear Lord, as we ponder on our own lives, you said, he that confesseth me before men, him will I confess. What a little thing it is for us to confess you, knowing you'll forgive us right on the spot and cleanse us and give us power. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.